My name's Kendra Houseman from Out of the Shadows, and you're about to listen to a series of interviews that took place over nine months. I want to know what life would be like for a child that had been through domestic abuse, parental mental health, poverty, and exploitation, to name a few. What would happen if we created a team, an army almost, to support that child? 28 people were interviewed, all with the same question in mind. What could have been different for child B? You're about to listen to Blondie's People. So follow us on our journey where I will speak to everyone from George the Poet to some of my good friends as we discover what it takes to become one of Blondie's people. Within these episodes, you will find answers, you will find guidance, and most of all, you will find an insight to a world that many do not know. There's a trigger warning for some of these episodes, and some of them are not child-friendly. We're going to talk about things that are very, very raw and real. So kick back and get ready for a journey, a journey you will not forget. Welcome to Blondie's People. Welcome to episode 23 of Blondie's People and you're going to hear the voice of space, an organisation, sorry, an epic organisation that fights against the child criminal exploitation and criminalisation of the young people that are involved in gangs and exploitation. The fight, the journey that this organisation goes on is beyond anything I can say to you. They support parents and give advice to those who who know their children are being exploited, but also know that their children are being criminalised and also know that their children aren't being supported by the people that should be supporting them. If Space had been around when Blondie had been a child and her mum had been able to call and have them conversations, life would have been very different. So sit back, get a notebook out, and listen to the madness and the epic space. Okay, my name's Kendra Houseman, and these interviews are for Blondie's people. People that I would want to work with as an adult, but also people that if they'd been there for Blondie as a child, there would have probably been an impact that would have stopped her exploitation. So this is obviously an audio interview. So I'll ask the question, um, I'm speaking to the founder of Space. So what is Space and what do you do? Hi Kendra, thank you very much for inviting me to do this interview. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be asked um, yeah. and to be working with you on this. Um, I'm the founder of Space, as you've just uh, said, and I don't identify myself right. other than in closed settings um, in view of the nature of the work that we do. Um, Space is an organisation which stemmed from a professional background of law enforcement, including child protection, safeguarding, and modern slavery, but also personal insight into certainly the lesser known workings of county lines and uh, child criminal exploitation. So space does a number of things, um, which I'll uh, go on to cover. It, it, it also represents affected families um, nationally, okay. whose voices were not being heard or were otherwise being ground out by a lot of unhelpful or unrealistic rhetoric. So that that's, um just an introduction really I, I love it the way you say it, it's for families as well i think that's something that's missed a lot of the time absolutely absolutely and you know um it's it's a the big part of that jigsaw if you like and you know as many components make up the picture yeah but um families are being kind of left behind as it were yet they they bring far more to the table than than any of the other yeah. the other contributors in a lot of ways um we have a number of missions. Um, first one, you know, just, just to go through those is to put CCE, 
on the child exploitation uh, map in the same way that CSE now is. Yes. So we know that girls within CSE were appallingly failed and openly referred to as mini or child prostitutes prior to a national recognition of child exploitation. But of course, now boys within CCE are living the same fate, um, the same language, uh, the same professional failures. But this time, it's as child drug runners. And that's not to say girls are not involved in CCE. They absolutely are, but in far smaller numbers. Um, also, we want to see a CCE national strategy to identify and support CL victims correctly, effectively and consistently. Yeah. The, the current national picture is most victims are treated as perpetrators, as, as you'll be uh, aware, purely because of their offending status, which is the only status on view. And in most cases, their exploited traffic status, whether it's pending or confirmed, is rendered completely out of view or deemed yeah. irrelevant certainly within the criminal justice journey that they will undoubtedly find themselves in. When we're, um, when we're saying CCE, just so people are clear, yeah. we're talking about um, child criminal exploitation. And it's sad because most people know what CSE is. And I hate, I, hate, I hate that they've shortened it to make it sound even less worse than it is. Child criminal exploitation is, is rife in this country, isn't it? It's just... Absolutely. It's the top um, category now. It's the biggest category under the modern slavery statistics uh, for children. So, you know, within child criminal exploitation, you haven't just got what's happening within county lines, but you've also got other things like um, organ harvestation. Yep. You've got children who are being made to beg, you know, so that there are other categories, um, but far smaller numbers. And, you know, the exploitation within county lines is is the big epidemic now you know it's, if you look at any of the figures in the um, published modern slavery um, statistics it's it's trailing ahead and that you know we need to be concerned about that what's quite scary um, is that um, county lines is not really spoken about before 2016 there's no academic um, re reference to it but it's been going on obviously a long time before that so it's only now that the public are sort of speaking out about it isn't it and, and doing that what yeah. Why do you feel so strongly about CCE and county lines? Well, there's a question. Um, to be completely honest, it's, it's I, I guess the easiest way to do that really is to answer that with a question. And that question has to be, why wouldn't <laughs> anyone feel strongly about CCE and county lines? This is about children, your children, my children, our children. And it's clear all sorts of children are being sucked into this from all sorts of backgrounds. And if you're under the illusion that this only happens to other people's children um, or not in your area, then you are going to be shocked because that just isn't the case. In fact, the more likely you think a child or family is to be involved, sorry, more unlikely you think they are to be involved um, in county lines as victims, the higher the chance that gangs have selected that person deliberately mm -hmm. for very simple reasons they want a business model that isn't going to be disrupted and to do that you're going you're going to go for a child that's under everybody's radar unlikely to be coming to the attention of the police not susceptible to stop and search not known to services basically a clean skin and it's a win-win if you're a drug gang and uh, you know that that demonstrates to listeners that, that, that this is really a serious problem and that no one is immune to it the, these kids are 
essentially being used to do the dirty work for criminals. They're being deliberately targeted, cleverly recruited, groomed and exploited for criminal purposes. And they're essentially being utilized as a shield behind which the real perpetrators reign, bringing absolute carnage, serious mental, emotional, physical harm or death, the children's way. They are collateral damage, low hanging fruit, and of course, easily replaced. Whilst those whose business they prop up as you know, street level drug runners remain untouched. Now, why would anyone feel comfortable about that? Dab straight. I tell you what surprises me. Um, so my knowledge of county lines is both as a child all the way through to an adult on different levels. And I grew up in an environment where relationships were disposable. So once somebody become no use to you, you got rid of them. And it don't really matter how you got rid of them, you just did. And so this was happening when I was 12 and I'm 14, it's still happening. And that's the scary thing to think that people still don't care about it. Absolutely. And to be honest, the, the awareness has been out there certainly uh, since 2015. Yeah. Uh, there, there was, uh, you know, just a, a very small number of parents who, you know, got involved um, at quite a high level to, to make sure that this was un being understood, that actually it was quite a prolific problem. Yep. Um, so, you know, it, it, the information has been there that this is, this is starting to, to creep out in, in, you know, areas that you maybe weren't necessarily seeing it before. But the, the bottom line is all sorts of kids are involved. All sorts of kids are being thrown out when they are of no use. But sadly, and this is the bit that nobody wants to focus on, there is stacks and stacks of children queuing up to join that yeah. Um, yeah. lifestyle or culture, whatever you want to call it. And you know, we need to be asking the question, why are those children queuing up to join in? And I think that people like us asking them questions make other people quite uncomfortable, doesn't it? Absolutely, because to be honest, if, if we accept the premise that X has happened, then you cannot ignore the Y and the Z that follows. That's, that's you know, all, the, all of these children, you know, are being painted as if um, they are, you know, choices. They, they've made a, a choice towards a criminal lifestyle. Um, and actually, nobody seems to want to really go far back enough to ask themselves, well, hold on a second, you know, why are these 12, 13 year olds suddenly, and you know, what we're seeing now is that there's no adverse childhood experiences in the background. There's no poverty, there's no lack of opportunity. Everything's, you know, fine in, in, in a lot of these um, kids' homes. There, there is no issue. Why are these children suddenly waking up one day and announcing themselves as, you know, drug runners as a career of choice? No child wakes up and decides that's what they're going to do. So there's an adult somewhere in the background that has facilitated that view. Absolutely. So why are we not focusing on that? And sadly, that parent, that's that, that adult may be the parent, but it may not. Yep. Because, you know, we're seeing that actually there's two sides to this county lines coin. There are absolutely there are children involved in this who who are coming from um, chaotic families or poor parenting or, you know, they're in care. But equally, what's now starting to race ahead is there are children with none of that in the background. Yeah. And actually, th th there's more to gain by using those children. So, you know, authorities need to be asking hold on this is not adding up why would a child with the no kind of connection to criminality none of these triggers that are you know 
predictable triggers, as it were. Yep. Um, how has this happened? And that's where the trail goes cold because nobody seems to be interested in how these kids are getting drawn in. And actually, let's not, you know, let's not underplay the fact that being sucked in isn't something just happens, you know, that happens to children. Nope. You know, we are seeing time and time again, you know, outside of the county lines context, even, you know, adults, fully grown adults who are being scammed. Now that, that could be on a dating website. That could be a person opening the front door and being scammed by a builder. Yeah. You know, all sorts of things. Um, but actually, society seems to have a lot of support and understanding for those adults. Because, you know, the view is that the, the bad guys must have been really clever to have got past these adults and got them sucked in. But that same kind of um, explanation doesn't extend to these children. Why not? Absolutely. You know, they're expected to just walk past and say no. They're supposed to spot what's coming and say no. But well, the adults aren't able to. No. Blondie's people is, this is what it is. I don't, I don't know if people have clocked and your um, interview is going to be one of the last that goes out. Blondie's people, in case people haven't realised, is an absolute spanking for the UK to show you that I've brought together all these people and we're all saying the same thing. So 25 different people, including yourself, None of you have met, hardly any of you know each other, but we're all saying the same thing. It's not good enough, mm. are you ignoring it? So for me, Blondie's People was also a way of me looking at my own mental health that was caused by exploitation and kind of getting these people together and addressing it. In your opinion, what is the impact of mental health for, on mental health for those involved in CCE? Well, that is a cracking question. And it's one that's rarely asked and it, actually... <laughs> It's very sad that it's rarely asked um, because it's, it's such a, a crucial piece of the puzzle that, you know, I, I don't know how we've got to the place we have without talking about it. You know, but I don't understand how people can think that the, the, the things that these children, exploited children, have seen, heard, witnessed, um, you know, how that can't play on their mental health. Yeah. None of this is normal stuff you know, they are witnessing the most horrific things on that journey. You know, they're, they're, let's not, you know, mince our words. I mean, it's a horrific um, sexual incident. There is a horrific violent incident. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's off the scale what, what these kids are witnessing. And there is no support. Kids are getting stabbed. They mm -hmm. are witnessing stabbings. And if you, if you look at any, any multi-agency meetings that take place after you know, a, a serious incident like that, you know, it, it's a case of really just focusing on what happened, but actually how can you focus on what happened without looking at the mental health of yep. the person that's either been stabbed or, or the person that has witnessed a stabbing, quite horrific stabbing, and not offer any kind of service for that young person. You know, that's just an example. And I can tell you, seeing what I do, it just doesn't happen. It, it's, it's literally, you know, it, it's ignored that side of it, completely ignored. And, you know, there is um, depression, self-harm, PTSD, very, very prevalent. And, you know, as I said, those who've witnessed or been compelled to perpetrate or had perpetrated on them appalling violence, torture and abuse, including sexual. Yeah. It's absolutely immoral that we're neglecting these young people. You know, they have awful traumatic images ingrained in their minds that no adult will even 
hear about, let alone see in their entire lives. They've been shunted from childhood to um, an adulthood of the worst kind, completely bypassing their teen years, the yeah. best years of their lives, let's face it, it should be. And nobody's talking about the mental health amassing that. And even after years of operating on high levels of alert as the absolute norm or suffering serious violent assaults, as I've mentioned, there's never a mention by any professional or practitioner of trauma or the need for mental health. You know, you will, I'm sure, you know, recognize, you know, there's hypervigilance, irrationality, paranoia, <laughs> illusions of grandeur, humiliation, yep. guilt, um, personality disorders, totally rewired minds that emerge from successful grooming and homelessness and family breakdowns, complete lack of support network. And all of that triggers re-trafficking. And, you know, many are just existing, Kendra. They're not living, they're no. existing. And once over 18, they're commonly left to it. Just left. Because they're not even on in, in nobody's radar, really, after 18. Yeah. But the stuff doesn't go away at 18. No, and you know, so we've got a big disconnect there. I'll tell you something, and from personal experience. So, so for me, it's nightmares. Um, I have the most horrific nightmares about sexual assaults that I witnessed, took part, whatever you want to call them. Um, I, I still, years later, have horrific nightmares. And when I've tried to get help around it, it's almost as if they want me to separate my childhood and my adulthood. Yeah, because it's that simple. Yes. So when you're talking about that, you know, I'm watching these young people being fouled, but I know that in a few years' time as an adult, there's a whole other world of pain coming for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to be honest with you, you know, I'm just referring specifically now to people, you know, other parents that I know who you know who dealt with CSE um, with their with their daughters for example and if it's not resolved it's coming with you yeah it's coming with you throughout life Absolutely. and that's the problem you know it doesn't matter how old you are if it's not being dealt with no. um, it's coming with you and you know that there isn't a hope in hell of, of uh, moving on with something as big as that in your past if it's not been unraveled and and um, responded to with you know professional help do you know what's scary is that um the, the the society we the government whatever they've now they label child sexual exploitation and and child criminal exploitation as abuse they, they now recognize it as as child abuse but yet from what i can see there's no system in place to support it it's like no. they've framed it and they've just left it. They've just gone, oh, yes, yes, we, we recognise that child criminal exploitation is a form of child abuse, and then they, that's it. But actually, it, that's just words. And, yeah. you know, there's no backing there of any sort. In fact, I would argue the opposite is true. Uh, they're saying one thing but doing the other because the numbers of, you know, children and young people that are being criminalised is horrific and oh, you know yeah. i have day-to-day -day dealings with this and it is absolutely immoral what's happening you know you've got very high senior police officers who have signed up to modern slavery they've signed up to you know the, the, the fact that these children are exploited but on the ground there is no change it's business as usual in yeah. terms of you know if you've got drugs you're an offender nobody wants to lift the lid on that one bit because there isn't any incentive to do so you know the for the police you know it they fight crime and you know if they're coming across somebody you know with possession etc that's a crime so yeah. job done end of move on next and actually that's that's the problem because you know scores of children are being criminalized they're being imprisoned 
And actually there's stacks of miscarriages of justice because a lot of those children are actually children who have been formally identified through the national referral mechanism as trafficked. Yes. So why is it that they're ending up in prison? And you know, it all comes back to the same thing, Kendra. You go to prison and you are going to be embracing mental health issues. Absolutely. No doubt about it. No doubt. No doubt about it. You know, um, it's not being it's not being responded to in the community. Why do we think it's going to get better when these kids are in prison? Do you know? So you know, it starts off a whole chain of events, and they all lead to about a, a bad place, basically. It's interesting bringing the police aspect into it because there's not, and I've had a few arguments with people quite recently. I've not seen a lot on the news or TV about um, child criminal exploitation during lockdown. There doesn't seem to be a lot being said about it. So, do you think? that CCE has still took place during lockdown? Oh my goodness, yes. I think, to be honest with you, uh, it absolutely it was rocketing during yes. during lockdown. I mean, there's just no, there's no other way of, of, of putting that, to be honest with you. Drug gangs have always been ahead of the game um, with their business model and adapting and diversifying during lockdown wouldn't have posed a new challenge for them at all. They're adept at responding to barriers. And, you know, we saw this with their response when children traffic to far for lengthy periods began triggering police attention through missing reports by their families. Yeah. They switched to trafficking children locally, enabling a same day return, albeit a little bit late, and yeah. triggering absences from school, which remains an issue. Now, you know, county lines is is something that is, you know, labeled as, you know, involving distances. Actually, that's no longer the case. You know, you can have county lines happening from one town one end of town to the other end of town they don't need to be trafficked afar and you know there's a whole load of misconceptions now because it doesn't it, you know the way that gangs are operating now doesn't meet the the definition that was put on it you know years years ago and you know there was never any expectation of a complete halt in county lines and therefore cce from those who fully appreciate the abusive ruthless manipulative exploitative and profit-driven mantra of drugs gangs and the push-pull factors within county lines. It will be completely naive to believe that it was all going to be put on hold for COVID. If a CCE victim was being compelled towards criminality um, and their life and parents and siblings were at risk, they were trapped in debt bondage or you know, so groomed that their loyalty to their gang was unquestionable. Why would this be any less so during lockdown when their services are required even more so. You know, the best we could have hoped for was a decrease. And you know, recent coverage has evidenced both a continuation uh, and a lull during COVID to be the case. Many exploited children are now young adults. You know, let's not forget that. Yep. They've been in this for a number of years. And so many of the, the children have continued um, as they had prior to lockdown, but some of them have stayed home. Um, where there was opportunity to distance themselves, albeit temporarily. And, you know, that temporary uh, phase is gold dust for families because it's respite for a little while, and there isn't much of that in, that, in their journey. But those who are old enough and over 18, um, you know, young people, they wouldn't have stuck out like a sore thumb during COVID, but kids would have. So, you know, it, it's... it's adapting all the time you know and you know if you've got a kid that was exploited at the age of 13 14 and who's now 18 19 you're not necessarily going to be looking at him 
in the same way as you're going to be looking at a, a child that you're suspecting of drug running, are you? No, no, absolutely. So they, you know, they, they can carry on acting, you know, operating as they were, more or less, you know, without anybody wondering what's going on, because you were allowed to go to Tesco, you were allowed to go to the shops, you know, but a kid doing that is going to stick out far more. So, you know, uh, we, we certainly didn't see any change. I mean, in terms of children leaving the home during lockdown, um, and, you know, there's a lot of criticism. You only have to read it on Twitter to see lots of people's opinions on the fact that, well, what's the problem? You know, it's the parents at fault. Why don't they lock them in? Yeah. You know, tell them they're not going out. End of. You know, there's little control parents could have could exercise here that wasn't already being utilised prior to lockdown. It's complete nonsense to say parents are to blame if they can't control their children. If you've ever tried to stop an exploited child who's compelled to leave the home, someone with autism or ADHD, six foot tall or well-built, who will be determined in his efforts to turn up uh, for his shift because he knows all too well the fallout of not doing so, you'll soon realize it's impossible. You know, many, many doors and windows broken, many parents assaulted, even if, you know, um, reluctantly, if they try and stop their children. If, you know, if there are young children in that home uh, and you need to go to work as a parent, um, how do you do that? You yeah. know, how do you, yeah. how, how, why are you going to go there? You know, it, it, you can't lock somebody up in their room of that age. It's just impossible. Um, you know, and you didn't have all sorts of tradesmen coming out during COVID. So it's, it's nonsense to say, well, you know, you need to keep them in. The reality is parents have little choice but to watch their children leave as before. But this time with the additional gut-wrenching worry that their child is heading towards infection from addicts and filthy environments. Because that's exactly where they're disappearing towards and there's little they can do about it. A heavy burden and trauma for parents to bear, believe me. For, for, for my own personal experience, as a child who was doing that to my, to my own mother, she tried, when my mum was well, her mental health, what we've got to remember is a lot of these kids' parents have also got mental health. So when my mum, yeah. had, poor, when my mum had poor mental health, I could run rings around her. She wouldn't even know Absolutely. what to and I, and I feel ashamed, but I'm just going to be very honest. But when my mum was well, she was a single parent. She had two jobs. I could just, once I was gone, I was gone. So she would say yeah. to me, don't leave the house this morning. And then the second she left, I left. What was she supposed to do? Not feed us, you know, like, so I do, I do see it from the parent's point of view. I hate it when people blame my mum. That's not what it's about. No, no, no absolutely. I'm and sorry. to be honest, you know, with all due respect to you, you know, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, you were able to handle yourself, but you were a female. Yeah. A lot of these, are, they're boys, yeah. they're yeah. young men. You know, the strength is completely different if you try yep. and stop them leaving the house. And then the, the mental health for my own mother, when I, when I would go missing for three days or whatever I'd done, she would then make herself quite unwell. So by the time I'd sort of got to 15, this woman was weak. Like she couldn't even, she, she keeping me in was a problem. Let me go out was a yeah. problem. And, yep. and I, so I feel when they say blame parents, um, I'm lucky. My children was never directly involved, but I was the child. My yeah. mum was not to blame. The person to blame was my exploiter. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually just hits the nail on the head, doesn't it? Because we're going around the houses. Yeah. And, you know, I often refer to, you know, pinning the tail on the donkey. Um, yes. That's what people keep doing all the time, because actually we know what the problem is. And that's where you should be going with this. But, you know, people are just literally hanging their hat on things that are just well, they're just not there. You know, let's face it, parents are being blamed for, for being poor parents, yep. you know, for not controlling their children. And actually, there is no parent on this on this earth 
who is going to be able to control county lines in their house. Absolutely not. It's got nothing to do with your parenting because the power is outside the front door. And whoever's listening to this, because I do know that there'll be certain people of power that listen to this, the other people they blame, once they can't put the blame on the parent, they then blame the child. Absolutely. They're like, they, absolutely. why are they putting themselves in these, in these positions? Oh, are you absolutely joking? Right. So the only people they're not blaming is the exploiter or the people buying the drugs. Absolutely. But also, we don't see any of the professionals being blamed. Now, I know that's going to be a really controversial thing. And there's going to be lots of people who are not going to like um, you saying this. But, it, right. it, you know, it's the elephant in the room. Um, a lot of the comments that are coming out about those children and about those parents are coming from the safeguarders. Now we need yeah. to think about that. Yeah. You know, if the safeguarders are taking that view and don't forget a lot of the decisions are in their hands as to what happens. Yeah. So if they are not even understanding the actual core of what's going on here, you can see why there is a huge level of frustration by the families because it's, you know, it's being driven by somebody who doesn't understand the thing. And yes. it's a car crash. What do you think this will look like now? Lockdown is easing, changing. You know, like, do you think they will they will just adapt and change the model? Well, that's the question. That's the question many are asking right now, and I'd like yeah. to hope that some victims will have managed um, to really have an opportunity to exit safely after you know uh, lockdown yeah. or effective resources will go into assisting those showing signs of wanting to do yes. to do so however for every one of those children who exit there will be countless more who will have been sucked in while schools were closed and social media their constant friend of course and the increased or new poverty within families as a result of lockdown um, will definitely ensure that others become a steady supply of vulnerable yep. victims post lockdown and that's something we have to be proactive about rather than reactive to and just as we've all adapted you know normal people getting on with um, with our lives to the challenging situation and circumstances of lockdown and hopefully emerging with new skills to improve and navigate our lives anew um, so that we can function better well, so the gangs too. Yeah. They found new ways to operate, to be, to travel, to groom, and to traffic unseen. It will be business as usual, but worse, because they're now more emboldened with their successes in the last few months, and they have new tools in their toolbox. So, to be honest, I hope the positive change brought about for CCE as a result of the lockdown is that it's enabled professionals to see, actually see with more clarity what was not yeah. visible before. <laughs> And that, you know, the lockdown enforced push to think outside the box and operate and respond differently or, uh, you know, uh, it, we know we've, we've seen new things come into play that nobody would have thought about before, you know, online, etc. New methods of working and engaging with vulnerable victims and their families continues, but it's built on. And, you know, there's lots of areas which will have benefited from new and different approaches. And we tend to just do things a certain way because they've always been done that way without reassessing and improving what we do. And lockdown has forced many roles to open up that conversation now. And we can only really say that's good, uh, a good outcome because things weren't anywhere near great before. No. You know, so th th there has to be learning from this. Um, so I always tell people why I ask them to be on Blondie's people, but I usually do it at the beginning, but I decided to do this one near the end. So, 
Blondie's, you can only qualify in effect for Blondie's people if you if you can two prong it. And I'll explain why you why I chose you and why I need you in Blondie's people. Mm. As an adult, as professionals, I think that me and you, we think exactly the same. There's nothing you've said I've been like, no, that's not right. We think the same. So as adults, we need to come together like we have now and we're going to make people hear us. We're going to make them hear that that we cannot keep blaming children for county lines or parents and we need to look at it a different way. However, as a child, if my mum could have had access to somebody like you or like your organisation, she may have um, saved her mental health because she thought yeah. she was imagining a lot of the things. I was gaslighting her in many ways because my exploiter made me. So you're here because for parents, you are a lifeline. Well, that's that's really nice of you to say. Um, and actually, I, I find it quite sad that a lot of people are saying that to me. Um, and actually, you know, as nice as that is, we shouldn't be talking about this at all because it shouldn't be happening. Um, but you know, I, I can I can talk all day about you know what to do with parents and how they can be uh, responded to differently. But it, you know, if if you if you asked me what advice would I give to those parents yeah. right now yeah. uh, whose, whose children are in that boat that maybe, you know, you were in years ago and, and lots more children around the country are now. Yeah. Um, they can contact us at any stage. Okay. Uh, they can watch very keenly for signs, search clothes, school bags, bedrooms, school books, take pictures, keep written records of names, dates, times, telephone numbers, and car registration numbers. They can try and balance legitimate money with um, suspected expenditure, or oh, sorry, suspicious expenditure, and check bank statements if they have their own accounts. Yeah. Um, ideally, don't allow your child to have a bank account if you have concerns because of money laundering um, issues that are, are rife now. Um, you know, the kids are being used as money mules. Their accounts are being used for money laundering. It's 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 not being reported, but it's it's rife. Um, you know, it it. Statutory services uh, are, are not meeting um, the needs of the parents. Um, you know, like I said, no, no, no child wakes up as a drug dealer. Uh, that there's somebody behind that, and that that's you know, parents are seeing that close up um, when when they start spotting certain things. Um, you know, you know when you know as a parent if it's going wrong. Yeah. But you know, the, the bottom line is, parents are. Finding things that are a concern because parents know their children best. You know, I think that that's got to be said. If you are a protective factor in your child's exploitation and you're a good parent, you are going to see this stuff. Speak to school, discuss your concerns and reasons, ask your child to be seated away from those you suspect if it's a problem at the school, because there is a lot of issues in school. There's a lot of recruiters in school. Um, so yeah, ask to be separated from somebody you suspect, you know, is a negative concerning influence. Ask staff to observe the frequency of toilet trips in lessons, whether they're appearing anxious or whether they're generally or suddenly not themselves. Ensure school are noting any unusual signs, possessions, behaviours, uh, and that you are contacted immediately if your child is absent from or during school, which is a really important point. And that might sound very obvious, yeah. but it isn't happening in every case. And, you know, watch for pushing of boundaries by children and increasingly late returns home. Try and establish, you know, whether um, where they were or, you know, where they're claiming to be. And if you suspect that your child is not where they should be, 
or you know you know so and their whereabouts are unknown report them missing you do not need to wait 24 hours to report a child missing no. many many of these children you know involved in in uh, cce have come to harm whilst missing so it's imperative parents uh, report them as soon as they learn that they are missing if missing during school some police forces have treated them as as truant which is incorrect especially where cce concerns are already documented if you find that your child is on the brink of exclusion for behavior related to cce challenge that decision highlight the signs flag that you previously reported concerning signs and link those to now known connections with cce contact the various organizations who can assist there's a you know a lot of evidence that exclusion leads to increased influence um, or recruitment by gangs many of whom are perched outside or around PIUs preying on vulnerable children. You know, parents know their kids and certainly parents who, you know, are protective factors, as I said, um, will pick up on extra familiar concerns. However, the problem is that they're then let down by the authorities who they then turn to. Yeah. You know, the reality yeah. is um, there's little to no awareness uh, or events for parents to be educated as a prevent as a prevention initiative and early intervention by authorities is key so as not you know so as to safeguard but also to engage and divert them because you know there's only a really small window to do that and the, the longer the intervention is missed that you know the smaller the window becomes to extricate them um, so it, it is a downward spiral very very quickly um, and you know sadly I see this all the time yeah uh, too many parents today, right now, uh, remain unaware of yes. counterlines, let alone the relevance of um, child criminal exploitation or the trafficking angle to it. Nope. They may have correctly picked up the key signs of grooming and exploitation and noted, you know, the extreme change and transformation in their child, but they're not equipped to join all the relevant dots. It's not their job to, um, you know, and their situation is then further worsened because no professional or practitioner is then deciphering those dots correctly as a safeguarding or trafficking concern. You know, it's all being sort of labeled up as well. Somehow they've gone off the track, you know, they've gone off the rails, they've yeah. chosen to do this, you can't have been a good parent, what's going on in your house? What led them to go and do that? Well, actually nothing led them to do that because it was an outside influence. It's got nothing to do with the family. Um, and let's face it, when most people, when they hear the word trafficking, they relate it to folk being transported from one country to another, absolutely involving planes and boats. And most people wouldn't imagine trafficking also applies to British kids being recruited to run drugs from one county, town or road to another, um, or sexual exploitation in one premises between one room and another. So when we speak about kids going missing, being exploited and run around the country or locally for gangs gains, that is absolutely trafficking. So, you know, instead of all this being a horrific concern, uh, you know, the all too regular narrative emerging from safeguard is, is around choice because CCE presentation and tactics are really badly grasped um, at best and resulting in criminalization and death at worst. So the very indicators that sort of steer views towards that choice made by these children can also be the indicators of CCE, some of which are included in, in the Mons Lady guidance but routinely being ignored, you know. So concerned parents who believe there are CCE concerns need to trust their gut yes. instincts and act quickly. They, they should expect and demand to be supported.
supported and for the exploitation concerns to be assessed fully and thoroughly, not be led down the lost boys choice criminalization route when they raise legitimate red flags, if, which is what's if, happening. If a parent, so if a parent does reach out to, to yeah. space or their email or so what, so what, I'm obviously going to write this all down. It will be there, but I'm just saying if people listen to it now, what can they email you, call, yes. how do they find you? Right. So they can, they can contact us um, what, via the website yep. or they can just email us directly. The you know, email address is on the website. Um, and we will ask for some background information to establish um, you know, the, what, what the situation is. Um, and then once we've got enough information, we will then um, have a conversation with them as to what their next steps should be. So, you know, essentially we, are a bespoke organization that uh, responds to child criminal exploitation resulting from county lines yeah. uh, we don't do anything else uh, we're not a cse organization for example um you know we 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 stay in our lane if that makes sense yeah um you know we're experts in what we do we don't we don't claim to be a, you know a, an expert in all these other um issues so what we do we do well um and as you know, as far as I'm aware, nobody else is delivering what we're delivering. Parents will be given next steps. Um, and sadly, you know, it's very evident in uh, all of the cases that we come across that um, the obvious things that should have happened, uh, given that, you know, professionals have been involved for a long time with these families. Um, the child may still not be on a child in need plan. They may not be in a child protection plan. They may not be in the NRM for trafficking. So we guide them as to what they should be doing next. Um, and, you know, there, there isn't anybody doing that. You're, you're, the so, best person, you're the best person to talk about this, this last thing. I know just the NRM plan. Yes. Can you just give us a little, what is that? What, just pretend I don't know. And, yeah, okay, and very simply. Very gone. Um, it's it's a mechanism by which the Home Office, uh, the Modern Slavery Unit in the Home Office, will um, determine whether somebody is a trafficked victim or not in the county lines context. Obviously, this is not just county lines. This is any any person who is suspected to be a potential modern slavery victim. Yes. So that will be British or non. Um, but within county lines, it will be a police officer or a social worker primarily, the two statutory first responders. It's their job to uh, spot victims of exploitation and refer them uh, into the mechanism, which is a process, which then goes to the Home Office to decide if somebody is or isn't a victim of modern slavery. Very so, simply put. So... I have referred a child into that um, previously. So would I be yeah. right to say that parents can refer their own children? No, you it has to be what is known as a first responder. It's a designated right. first responder. So, you know, within um, this context of county lines, because it is predominantly British children who are involved, British victims. Yes. Um, it is, it's police and uh, local authorities who are the first responders. Um, and they are coming across both of those roles through things like possession. So again, not the best because, you know, it's yeah. under criminal, uh, um, in a criminal context or, you know, things like missing because missing is yeah. a key indicator of county lines. 
So where you've got, you know, missing episodes, children's services will be triggered by police. So they, they should both be doing a joint referral yeah. between the two of them. And, you know, the whole idea is that you, as a police officer or as a social worker, believe that somebody has been exploited. So in other words, for you to be putting in a referral, you don't need convincing that they are exploited. You already yeah. get it. But actually, that's not happening. So, you know, the, the general view is that, the, is that these children are offenders. Um, they're not being seen as victims. And of course, a lot of that is to do with the fact that they present a certain way and that, you know, they're, they're, they're found with, you know, drugs. Um, so they're instantly seen as an offender, a, a criminal, you know, far, far from that kind of victim presentation. Yeah. And of course, you know, the ch children are never going to own up that they are groomed or exploited for good reason. Um, not, they might not know. They might not realise well, it. Lots of them, lots of them, are, you know, have no clue, absolutely no clue what, what's gone on. Uh, their brains are completely rewired in, in such a fantastic way, very quickly too. Yes. Um, you know, and I always say, um, you, you know, what we're seeing now is you don't, you know, you don't even need coercion and threats, Kendra. No. If you groom a child successfully, yeah. they are yours for life. They and actually... Yeah. They, they will deliver that wall of silence by themselves. Yes. You've got unquestionable loyalty if you've done the grooming well. Yeah. You know, you see all these cases of no comments and, you know, wall of silence after a murder, etc. Where do you think that's coming from? And that is actually a lot better for an organised crime group to, to have that because it means you don't need to bother with the coercion and threats and what have you every, every yeah. few months when they get out of line because with grooming, they're yours forever. You, you don't need to keep, you know, a handle on them every few, every few weeks if they're looking as if they want to disappear and exit and, you know, they might be a liability and all the rest of it. So, yeah, they, they have no idea that they are groomed. But, of course, you know, the, the, the whole issue is um, we've got stacks of parents who are raising this flag about the NRM, which they were not told about by the social worker or their police officer. And they say, well, we've been told you've got to do this. And that's where it all goes horrendously wrong because they're then being told, well, what is county lines? What is the NRM? That's why I raised it. That's why I want to make it very clear to anyone that's listening. You cannot put this back on the parent. I know that the first responder has to do it, but we need to educate our parents so they can say to the social worker, well, hang on a minute, has my child been referred? Well, this is it. You're putting, you know, this is quite a specialist subject. And actually what, what it means is you're having to get the parents to do the heavy lifting. Yeah. They're quickly having to learn the law. And it's, you know, it's not what a lot of parents want to do and yeah. they're not comfortable to do. But actually they're having to learn it quickly so they can repeat it to the police or the social worker. And in essence, they are educating the safeguarders. And we can't have that. We no. can't have that. You know, what of all of those parents that don't know anything about it? What's happening to their children? And, and that's a scary thing. And in the blog that will go with this, just in case anyone's listening, the blog that will go with this will have all of this information as much as I can fit in so people start reading. But actually, I'm really glad that I've interviewed you for Blondie's People, but I'm actually sad that we've had to do this. I don't... Absolutely. I can't believe we're still here. Do you know what I'm saying? No, and to be honest, no lessons have been learned from CSE. That's the, that's the really, yeah. really annoying thing about this, because actually there isn't a lot of difference. There are, you know, absolutely, there are distinctions between the two types of exploitation. 
But the grooming know. model is the grooming model. It works. Well, a lot of it absolutely overlaps, absolutely overlaps. And, you know, the, the bottom line is this is slightly worse because with boys, they are simply not being seen as victims, whereas girls have it a little bit more easier. Um, and I don't mean that as it sounds. You know, generally, society will see girls as more vulnerable than boys. Absolutely. And because boys are seen as, you know, well, they all want to like, you know, they all kind of um, like guns and gangs and it's the thing to do. They are really being held back by that view. And so exploitation is being seen as a non-runner, especially yeah. when you've got a kid who's effing and blinding in the back of a police car yeah. because he's been groomed and he's trying to copy his elders. You know, why is anybody going to see that young person as a victim? I, t I tell you what, and just sort of to finish on this, like, um, I tell you what a big problem for me was when I was involved in just the criminal exploitation part. So when I was just a, a victim of child criminal exploitation, professionals didn't want to recognize it that it wasn't until the sexual element come in that suddenly then yes. I was supported. So there's lots of girls out there that are involved in just CCE, but yes. are also ignored because they're not, because they're not recognized as being powerful enough to do that. And our kids are That's just right battling to what kind of victim they are you know but we 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 are, we are kind of making things worse uh, for ourselves by by parking girls and boys within different yes boxes we you know the, the gender is irrelevant absolutely we need to simply be looking at the actions we don't need to we don't really need to go down the the, the gender route that early on no. You know, if you know that whatever that child is doing, would you be happy for your own child to be doing that, whether well, it was a boy or a girl? Listen, I tell you, I live by the ethos, is, is it good enough for my child? When I'm working with a child, is it good enough for my child? And if it isn't, then why the hell are you doing it? Uh, exactly, exactly. So to be honest, you know, I think there's a lot of under-reporting. There's a lot of under-reporting on boys under uh, yeah. sexual exploitation. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of under-reporting of girls under criminal exploitation. Okay. You know, I mean, it, it is a fact, obviously. I think, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a given that there are more boys involved in CCE and there are more girls involved yes. in CSE. Yes. However, there's a lot more uh, within both that, that we just don't know about because people are, they're parking them under the wrong box. They are. We see it with professionals all the time. If it's a boy, it's got to be CCE. Yeah. If it's a girl, it's got to be CSE. Just having so, this play and having it out there, I think that that you've done exactly what I brought you here to do. I've brought you to Blondie's people to empower the parents and educating you have. However, like I say, it's sad we had to have this conversation, but thank you for coming. Would you, is, there anything you, is there anything you'd like to say to everyone to, as they're leaving? Any parting words? I think it's immoral what's happening. And I think, you know, whilst I'm here to talk about um, CCE and people who have not chosen and made an informed choice towards criminality, um, you know, there are children involved in county lines who are not exploited. Yep. You know, I'm the first one to, to admit that. Not every child involved in county lines is exploited um, or manipulated or what have you. However, I just want to really leave people with, with this last thing. Even those who are not exploited, you know, um, no child is born bad, as I keep saying. Yes. And actually, how did they end up in that world as a child? And is, is that the kind of society we want to live in where we're actually throwing the book at that child? Because actually, if you go far back enough, as I said, there will have been an adult that prompted them to, to get into that life early on.
So, you know, we're, we're doing this all wrong. These are, these are adult activities by children and the children are being responded to as adults. And I think we've got that wrong. I totally agree. Space, it, really. space, it's been amazing. And I'm just saying thank you so much for spending your time and speaking to everyone. Thank you for asking me. It's been an absolute pleasure.